normally preach through books of the Bible. As you know, we finished up the book of Revelation just before Christmas time. We spent almost a year's worth there in Revelation, took a break to focus on Jesus, then took a few weeks to look at a, a health check, really, who we are and um, how are we doing on our mission together that Jesus has called us to. And so later on, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. And then after that, we'll be going through 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, and then the Gospel of John. So we got somewhere the next year, year and a half plus uh, mapped out afterwards. And so now, though, as we were seeking the Lord, we, just, we were at the place where we realized that it's a timely thing for us to address is this issue of fear. Our culture is a culture of fear. Um, people are afraid of what is the other side going to do. They're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid of circumstances, afraid of other people, afraid of all kinds of things. And so we're going to be looking at a short series, um, just a few weeks on here, on, on from fear to faith. Because God calls us to be a people of faith. Faith not in ourselves, but faith in Him. And so we're going to be looking at Him. Because we believe it's some, what God wants to encourage us in as His children. And it's actually something that the Bible mentions over 300 times. God directly encourages us to not fear. That's it's astounding. 66 books, God encourages us to not fear. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about it. What do you fear? What do you fear? I don't just mean generally. I don't mean like you fear snakes, you fear spiders. You know, I, I, I personally have this weird spider thing. I, I can't stand spiders. I'm not afraid of them. I just hate them. I don't want to be anywhere near them, you know? If I find one in my bed, I'm gone, you know? I'm, unless I find that thing, I'm out, and I'm never coming back until that thing's gone. So I'm not talking about those kinds of fears, though. But what do you fear in life? What, what are the fears that you have in life? There you go, something you can't control. Failure. What are some other things? A fear of politics. There you go. Politics, political decisions, political outcomes. What else do you fear? The unknown, unknown, loneliness. What are some other things you fear? Ignorance. Ignorance. Couldn't hear something else too. Bankruptcy. Yeah, financial loss of the future. I fear they won't have enough to provide. You know, well, all kinds of things. There's, you know, think about it. Is, what's the fear that's gripping you? What fears control you or seek to? What fears make you worried or anxious? What fears keep you up at night? Is there a fear that you are worried about now, that you're anxious about, that you're fearing today? Some of us fear the past will repeat itself. Maybe we've, we've had bad things happen to us and we're afraid it might happen again or good things are happening, but we're waiting for the other shoe to drop because something bad's going to happen now. And we're afraid of that, even when nothing's wrong. Some of us fear what might be, and that's usually tied to other kinds of fears. Some of us fear with the future, the fear of the unknown. Some of us fear not having enough, whether it's money or food or clothes or I'll add some other existential things like time, like strength, wisdom, ability, some fear not having friends or whatever it is you need. Some fear not, not that we'll be alone. You know, whenever you have fears, we resort to things to try to mitigate, to try to mediate against those things. We, we try, when we have fears, we say, okay, I'm going to do something to try to make sure I'm not afraid. And so we resort to control or manipulation or we seek identity or worth. Some of us fear loss. So we turn to manipulating situations and we try to hang on. And that rarely works out well. Some of us fear failure, difficulty, hardships. Because we seek our identity and worth and our value in what we do, we avoid difficult things. 
You know, if I know that I'm coming up on something very, very difficult, then, then I, I find myself doing all manner of necessary, needful things, but the thing I need to do, I can get distracted by so many good things because I'm just, I'm afraid I, I won't be good enough. It's, it's too hard for me. It's difficult. So we can procrastinate. We can avoid difficult things. Some of those fear not being good enough. Anybody here fear not being good enough, not being worthy? That's a hard one to admit, right? Because if I say that, then I won't be good enough, right? Um, So when we fear not being good enough, we seek our identity and working harder sometimes. Sometimes we turn to self-righteousness, pride, despondency, or we get depressed because we think, oh no, I'm working hard, I can't be good enough, so therefore I'm going to give up. Some of us fear punishment, so we are afraid, we hide, we're timid, we deceive or manipulate because we don't want to get punished. You know, if I think about with my, when I was my childhood, whenever I was tempted to lie the most is because I didn't want to be punished, I didn't want to get in trouble, so I'd make stuff up and actually ended up getting more trouble. But um, some of us fear rejection or not being accepted, and so we avoid people or avoid conflict. Some fear being hurt physically or emotionally, so we avoid other people, we isolate ourselves, we become closed off, or some become bitter, resentful. You identifying with any of these fears yet? You can say yes if you are, by the way, so that's okay. <laughs> some people fear other people's opinions. They pretend to be somebody they're not. They try to fit in, do things they know are wrong, deceive, put on false bravado, avoid people, become bitter, resentful. That was me. I, I, my, my childhood, most of it was spent in worrying about what people thought about me and opinions, and that was also tied to my worth, my value, and that I felt like I wasn't good enough, so I, had a, I, had, I got value from other people, and so I either tried to pretend or fit in or, or tried to deceive or false bravado. How about you? Where, how can you tell if you fear something? Some of the some of the indicators might be some common signs of fear, some reactions to fear, might be control, manipulation. If you find that you struggle with control, manipulation, you probably are responding out of fear. There's some anger, timidity, hiding, avoidance, pretense, shyness, falsehood, deceit. By the way, these aren't grouped. I'm just throwing a list out. Self-righteousness. Often those things are tied to fear. And I think that most of, actually the Bible would say that most of our fears, if not all of our fears, they're related to how we view God. Whether God is near us, whether we can come near to him. Whether God's for us, that he cares about us. Whether God's able, whether God is good. Underlying most all of our fears is our view of God in some way is deficient. So where do you fear? You know, personally, I'm tempted to fear all the time. I, there is a psalm that I want to start with that, that Phil didn't know that he mentioned this morning, Psalm 23. So turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. And the reason I want to start with Psalm 23 is because it begins with where we need to begin when we discover our fears. We need to begin with seeing God and a right view of who God is. So let's look at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6 together. Psalm of David. This is the Lord's holy inspired word. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Your rod 
For you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this very personal personal prayer, but personal affirmation of David, of who you are, of of your chosen one speaking of who you are. God, because we are chosen in you, because we put our faith in Jesus, the chosen one, we can claim this scripture as our own in Christ. So God, we do that today, and I pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts, speak to our fears, speak to those things that cause us anxiety and worry. Lord, may we see you as Yahweh, our shepherd. God, would you speak to our fears? Would you speak your goodness, your word, who you are? And Lord, I pray that we would rest and trust in and feed on you. God, lead us into your word. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, David had good reason to fear on his own throughout his life. We don't know the context of this psalm. It doesn't tell us specifically, but we do know the context of David's life, and his life was not free from trouble. Ever since when he got called up to go to the front to confront this big giant, um, and then he was, after he got anointed and he was supposed to become king, his life didn't get easier. It got more complicated and difficult, and he was on the run for many years, and, and then even after he became king, he didn't have a tumultuous free life he had a very difficult life and his own son looked to kill him kill him and and he fled David's life was fraught with problems and even towards the end of his life one of his sons rebelled and and wanted to establish himself as king so David hears about it and has to establish Solomon on a hurry David was not free from trouble he was not free from the valley he wasn't free from living in difficulties and yet David could say The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It wasn't that he had trouble-free life. He had a good reason to fear. When we think about it, if you think too long, we probably have on our own good reasons to fear, right? If you are on your own, we have good reasons to fear. But David knew something, something we need to discover, that, that he was not on his own. And so he was not fearful because he knew that he was not by himself. And so as we have placed our faith in Jesus, he is he's the ultimate anointed one. He's the ultimate Messiah. He's the ultimate David. And as we place our faith in Jesus, in him, we can actually claim this passage as our own in Christ. And so we can know that we're not on our own either. And really the, the idea I think God wants us to, to walk away with, to to be imparted to our souls, our minds, our hearts, really, it's just simple, and it's, it's that since Yahweh, that's what the Lord in English, by the way, it's an English word, the Lord, but David used the word Yahweh, whenever you see all caps, by the way, in your Bible with the Lord, it, it's always pointing to Yahweh, and so Yahweh, my shepherd, is with me, I will not fear, or you can say Yahweh, my shepherd is with me, I don't need to fear. David says it a little more boldly. I, don't, I, won't, I won't fear. I will fear no evil. I will not fear. Since Yahweh, my shepherd, is with me, I will not fear. 
And that, that very first word, we can, we can sometimes skip by that. When we, we use the word God or we, we see the word Lord, we can sometimes skip by that and fail to see the meaning in that. And so it's important to see this is Yahweh. This is, this is the one who is the covenant-keeping God. He is the God above all. He is the God who created all things. He is the great I Am. And that's who David says is his shepherd. He began by lifting up his eyes to see Yahweh the covenant-keeping God. Yahweh, the creator of all. Yahweh, the one who, who called his people, who chose them. Yahweh, by the way, the one who called you and chose you. Yahweh, the one who called you out of darkness and made you his own. Yahweh, the one who's kept covenant with you in Jesus. Yahweh is your God. But he's more than that. This is theology, but it's theology applied If you ever get into the study of who God is and it doesn't affect you personally, something is wrong with your theology. And David, his theology is affecting him personally. He says, Yahweh, and he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. It's a very personal psalm. He's thinking deeply about who God is and what God does. And then he says, Yahweh, this God who forever has guided Israel, who called us, who made us his own, who has been faithful time after time when we're unfaithful, this Yahweh who is always faithful when we fail, who picks us up, who forgives us, who cleanses us from all our iniquities, this Yahweh, this covenant God who makes a way for us to come, and this Yahweh, he, he's my shepherd. And so often in ancient Israel they spoke of God being our God. I think we can do that too, right? You ever, you ever see, you know, God's our God? Or, you know, we talk about our Lord, our Savior. I think we're meant to personalize. It's good that we see, yes, he called us to a people. He called us to his covenant people. He called us to his church. But we also need to see that God is individually for us. If you are going to overcome fear, you can only do so as you see that Yahweh He is your shepherd, personally. You know, he's not just out there. He loves those other people. He loves me. He's for me. When we fear as individuals, we we tend to believe lies about God. We, We either believe that God doesn't know what's best for us, he doesn't want what's best for us, or maybe maybe he's not able to do that. Maybe he doesn't, he's not powerful enough. David really confronts that in all all of those things in this passage. He he says, no, Yahweh, the great God, he's able to do what's best. Yahweh, he's the one who knows the first and the last. He knows what's best. Yahweh, he, he cares for us. He's my shepherd. He does care about me. If we're gonna, we're gonna focus really just three emphasis in the psalm today, that Yahweh, my shepherd, he provides. That's, that's one of the things you need to watch. Yahweh is my shepherd and he provides. And then we're gonna see that Yahweh, my shepherd, protects and then we'll see that Yahweh, my shepherd, is present. If, if in any one of these areas you are not seeing God, that he is your shepherd, he is the one who provides, and he is the one who protects you, you'll, you'll quickly turn to trying to solve things and control and manipulate, and you'll quickly turn to fear. But the very notion of a shepherd immediately calls to mind that he is my shepherd and he provides. That was the function of a shepherd, David knew that really well. David, David himself, he had grown up as a shepherd before he was called to be king. He had, he had led sheep. He knew that the sheep needed to be provided for. They couldn't find food on their own. They couldn't find water on their own. They, they, they knew one thing. They knew how to eat. 
You know, they knew, they knew the basics of surviving. They knew how to eat. They knew process, do physical things. And yet, they couldn't find their own food. They couldn't find their own water. They didn't know where to go for shelter. They didn't know where it was safe. And he knew that a shepherd was the one who provides. It, it meant that he needed to get the sheep to where they needed to feed. He needed to lead the sheep to water. He and he's thinking long and hard about God. He's, David here is meditating on who God is. And he says, you know, God, Yahweh, he's not distant. He's not just a covenant God. He's, he's my shepherd. Is that how you view God? I know this, this, this passage, it can become so familiar to us that it becomes almost like a nursery rhyme. You know, we've, we've, we've memorized this, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the waters. And it becomes this kind of like, oh, isn't that sweet? And we fail to see just the impact of this, of him saying, Yahweh, he's not the shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd, but he's my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Do you know him personally? Do you see that he personally is the one who leads you and guides you? He's the self-sustaining one who spoke and the universe came into existence, and yet he is the one who leads you to pastures. He leads you to rest there. Are you finding, Christian, are you finding rest in him? So often we forget that what we need most is, is not things. What we need most is not for our problems to be solved. What we need most is for not for all these situations to work out and for us to be able to figure things out. What we need most is not for us to understand. Sheep really don't understand what the shepherd's doing often, right? I bet if you went up to a sheep and you asked the sheep, hey, where's the shepherd leading you? If the sheep could talk, it'd probably be like, oh, you know? And you know, are you worried about that? No. Why? Because the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They know that the shepherd always leads them to food. And we're to know God as our shepherd. He is the one who leads us to food. Do you look to him for food? When you're fearing, do you look to him to be your source of life, your source of sustenance? I'm not just talking about physical food, but I'm talking about spiritual food. Do you know that he provides? Do you trust that he provides? What he's saying here is he's good. He's a shepherd. He's good. He provides. He's a shepherd. He cares for you personally. He's a shepherd. He knows what's best for you. You know, if all of the sheep in a pasture all of a sudden started saying, you know, I don't think I know what the shepherd knows what he's doing, and they started going all their way, what, what would happen? Well, they'd get lost. They'd get into trouble. They would get eaten, and they wouldn't themselves feed. And sometimes we, we're like that, Right? Actually, the Bible refers to us as, oh, we like sheep, we've gone astray, we've we followed our own way. Where do we get in trouble is when we're not following the shepherd. And he says, you know, he, he is my shepherd. I love back in Genesis 48, Jacob, who was called Israel, he's on his deathbed and he's blessing Joseph. And at the end of his life in Genesis 48, he says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, he understood that he made all kinds of decisions, good and bad, and yet God was the one who guided him through those things all this time to bring him, you know, all through famine. If you think about that, this was after he had left the promised land. So Jacob, he was not where God said he was going to be ultimately. 
He was in Egypt right now because as he's blessing Joseph, and he's in Egypt, he's in a place that doesn't seem right. Lord, I thought you promised this. No, it doesn't seem right. He's in Egypt, but yet he sees that, no, God actually, he created that famine so he could get us to here. He could provide for us. I don't understand it, but he's my shepherd. You want to understand your life. I, I think we will seldom understand. We need to remember we're sheep and that he understands and he's our shepherd. Jacob saw that God was his covenant-keeping God who, who led him every step. And do you see that as true for yourself? Now, how can we say this? You know, like, well, I'm, I'm not a Jew. I'm not, at least not physically. Not that I know of. And yet, we can say this because Romans tells us that we are children of God if we believe in the promise of God. That's what it says in, in, in Romans 9. It says this means it's not the children of the flesh or the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring, if you have placed your trust, however faulty that trust is, in Jesus Christ, who is never faulty, you can be sure that, that you are children of God. And if you are God's children, you're his offspring. And you can claim this and say, hey, God, you're my shepherd. I'm not just your son, your daughter. You're my shepherd. Is personal. The shepherd was personally invested. John 1.12 says, for all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if you are one of God's children, then you can say, Yahweh the Almighty is my God and he is my shepherd. What does that do to your fears? If you see that he's shepherd, then you won't be wondering, okay, wait a minute, where, do I have to worry about where he's leading me? Will he lead you? Yes, he's your shepherd. It says actually he'll never leave you, never forsake you. You don't have to wonder like, I don't know what to do next. Of course you don't, you're a sheep. But you have a shepherd and he's leading you, and you can trust him to lead you through his word. You can rely on a trust. Now, I'm not saying be lackadaisical going like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Trust in the Lord, look to his word, and then trust that he's your shepherd. You, you'll hear from him. He will lead you and guide you. You're his sheep. And I love, he says, I shall not want. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't desire things. That's not what that word means. It's in, in English, it's not the greatest interpretation. That's an old, old English look. And it's looking back to the, I shall not lack, to be in want. So he says, because I have a shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not be in lack. I shall not lack anything. Do you know that? Do you know that because he's your shepherd, you will not lack any good thing? Now, you might be protesting right now thinking, you know what? I don't, I don't have all the things I want. That might be true, but you're a sheep. He's your shepherd. He won't let you lack. He cares about you. He cares about you personally. He knows you personally. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it. And that's meant to calm your fears. When you're, you're fearing, I, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money. I don't know if we'll have enough provision. I don't know if, if, we'll, if we can make, make ends meet. I don't know if, if I can trust God. You can say, what? he's my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not lack. And then it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He's the one who feeds me. Do you look to him for food? It's a, it's a really vivid and it's an appealing picture for a sheep. There used to be this place that I loved to go. It was called Sky Meadows. And, and I loved to go. There was this rolling green hills on the side of a mountain in Virginia. And, and it's beautiful. And at the base of these pastures was this, this pond. And it was this bucolic scene. It's just this beautiful restful, relaxing place, and you couldn't hear anything, you couldn't hear traffic. In the summertime, all you could hear was bugs and birds, and you could lay down and take a nap there right by the water in the pasture. Um, that was restful. 
That was relaxing. That's the imagery we were meant to say. He makes us lie down in green pastures. But if you're a sheep, lying down in a green pasture is not just restful. You have everything that you need there. He provides for you. Do you know that he cares for you? He knows what's best. He leads you to what's best. He gives us himself to feast on. He actually calls himself the bread of life. He's not distant. He's not withholding. Think about that. If Jesus says that, I'm I'm not going to withhold anything so much that I'm going to give you myself as bread to eat, why do we fear what what we're going to have, what we're going to put on? Too often we turn to substitutes, things that don't satisfy. If you find yourself fearing, it's probably because we're not seeing that truth, that he is a good shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures. But not only that, he leads us beside still waters. And, and you know, sometimes we're thirsty and we're dry and we can't understand, Lord, why? You know, why do I feel so dry? And he says, I'm leading you beside still waters. Come and drink. Find refreshment and goodness in him. You can trust in him. You do not need to fear you're thirsty, what you need to do is drink. He leads you beside still waters. And then I love the other picture. These Every phrase is so filled with meaning. It says, you know, he's my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. And it says, he leads me. And he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And then I love it. David's not just using distant metaphors. He says, he restores my soul. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need soul restoration. When we fear, we need soul restoration. We don't have to fear about not only our ultimate eternal provision, but we don't have to fear that he knows what our soul needs. He'll take care of us. We don't have to fear about where we go either. Look look at what he says next. He says, he leads me into paths of righteousness. He'll lead you. Sometimes we fear the future because I don't know where it's going. I don't know where we're heading. And you know what? Neither do sheep. They don't know where they're heading. They don't need to because they're following the shepherd. I think about with my kids, and in each and every one of my, my children, when they were young, I don't think they ever worried where they were going, where we were going as a family, where would we get food, where would we get water, you know, where would we get something to drink. You know, later on, it's been like, what are we doing, what are we doing? But not, not a very young age. And, you know, Jesus says we need to come to him like that. Come to him like children. What does that mean? Expecting that he's going to lead us. Expecting he's going to guide us. Not expecting we're going to have it all figured out. My kids don't have it all figured out. You know, Eva, um, she's, not, she's in class, but she, I doubt she really understands how the monetary system works and how, um, how I get a paycheck and how we eat. She doesn't ever think about it. She's not ever once to ask me, you know, Dad, how much do you make? Or like, hey, did you get paid this month? Or, hey, I'm worried, Dad, um, are you going to feed me? She's never worried about those things, wondered about those things. We're to come to him like that. He leads us. He guides us. He leads us in paths of righteousness. You know, shepherds would lead them from pasture to pasture through the wilderness. If you've ever been to Israel, seen pictures of it, there wasn't um, dramatic pastures and all these places, sometimes little bits of green grass, but they'd lead them from patches of grass, patches of grass, patches of grass, but they'd be going through the wilderness and through places that were barren at times. And the sheep were following him through the wilderness. And that's the picture we're meant to have. He leads us on paths of righteousness. We're to follow him on the right path. You could even say when he says paths of righteousness, paths of right ways. Do you know that his way is the right way and do you trust that? If not, you're going to be tempted to fear. 
I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not. Is this his way? Is this along the lines with what he's calling us to do? We don't need to fear. He satisfies our thirst. He satisfies our hunger. He strengthens our souls. We don't need to fear the future. He leads us down the right paths. And you, you wonder, well, is this, is this really pleasing to him? Well, it says he reaches down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He cares about his own name's sake. He cares about his glory. You don't have to worry, oh no, am, am I, am, am I going to go astray here? He, he, he's leading us down these paths for his name's sake, and we can trust that. And how we can evaluate, we can say, wait a minute, am, am I wanting God's good? Am I wanting his name's sake right now? If not, let me, let me look back to him, the shepherd, where he's leading me. We can find rest, not just in this life alone, but really in the ultimate end to secure as well, because he says we lie down. I don't think that's just a temporal lying down, but I think that's also we permanently lie down as well. I think it's both. In, in this life, once it is over, we will lie down in, with him and be sustained forever. Good in this life and the ultimate to come. But not only do we see that, look in verse 4, we see that Yahweh, my shepherd, he protects. Yahweh, my shepherd, he protects. Is Yahweh your shepherd? Do you know him personally as your shepherd? And do you know he protects you? And you think, well, wait a minute, bad stuff happens. Well, sure, bad stuff happened to David too. It wasn't that David was ever without food. It wasn't that David was ever without trouble. It wasn't that David didn't live in the wilderness. He did all those things. If you, if you go over to Israel, you can see where he fled from Saul and he lived in a cave, in a hideout in the middle of the desert. It wasn't that those physical things didn't happen, but he knew that ultimately he did not have to worry because his shepherd was with him to provide and his shepherd was with him to protect. Look in verse four, it says, even though, what does that even though mean? It means that it, there will be times, although, because it's true, because I will walk through the valley of shadow of death, even though I do walk, he gives a current thing, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So when you're in the midst of, of troubles, anybody ever think, you know what, this is great. Anybody ever think that? Anybody think when you're in this valley of the shadow of death? I mean, picture that in your mind. I, I saw some pictures online. I couldn't get the rights to them. But, you know, think, think about this valley, you know, this valley you're coming into. Now, imagine that valley where it's just covered over with clouds. And then every kind of evil is kind of overshadowing this valley. And he says, I'm walking through this valley that this, this shadow of death is hanging over me. Sometimes you feel that way. Sometimes you feel like life is bearing in on you. The shadow of death is hanging over me. It's threatening me. Its shadow is being cast down on me. And he says, even though I walk through that, I won't fear evil. Why? Because he knows that his shepherd protects him. I love in John 10, John 10, 12, it says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then he contrasts that. He says, that's not the way I am. That's not the way I am. I'm not one who's going to leave you alone when I see the wolf coming. I'm not going to flee and let the wolf snatch you. I'm not going to let you be scattered. I'm not a hired hand. I do care for you. And he says all of that when he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm not that shepherd, I'm a good shepherd. It's the same, same shepherding that, that David's looking at here. We might walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What, what situation are you walking through right now? 
What's, what's dark for you? Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's what other people think about you. Is the shadow. You feel like you're going to die. A darkness of life. What are you afraid of? It could be real things. Family. A loss of family. Health. Losing your job. Losing your spouse. Getting cancer. Being rejected. In the midst of darkness, he comforts. Life's hard. It's difficult. It's lonely at times. There's a darkness, but... I like, I like that he uses the word shadow because I, it's but a shadow. We're walking through this valley of the shadow of death, but ultimately death will not harm us. Even though we die, we can't ultimately be harmed by death. It's a shadow. Don't fear the valley. He's leading you through the valley into passive righteousness. And you think, wait a minute. David just said he's leading me on passive righteousness, but David says, even though I'm going through a valley... So sometimes God's plan, hear this Christian, sometimes God's plan is to lead you right through the valley and that's the right path. That's what he's saying. You're like, hang on, this was supposed to be like this really comforting, bucolic kind of what in the world? Why is this, this passage does not sound like a nursery rhyme anymore. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though it's through the valley, right? It's through the valley sometimes. But we can trust that he's leading me through paths of righteousness. Now, because of that, because we can say, Lord, I don't understand. God, whatever I see all around me, I am looking to you. You're leading me on this path, and because of that, I'll fear no evil. Why will he fear no evil? Not because he's strong, not because he's like, I'm David. You know, I killed a lion with my bare hands. I killed a bear with my bare hands, and so I'm going to fear no evil. No, no. It's because he is trusting in the shepherd to lead him on paths. Even though he walks, he'll fear no evil because he's looking to the shepherd. Are you looking to the shepherd in the things you're fearing right now? He's leading you. Even when he's leading you through paths of the valley of the shadow of death. And then look what else he says. I'll fear no evil. You're leading me. And then what's the other four he says right after that? For you are with me. And then here's what else he says. And we think, oh, that's great to have God with us. And then he lists some other things. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you know anything about a rod, um, a rod was used to um, repel the wolf, you know, to, to beat him off, to, hit, to knock him away. It was, it was the shepherd's weapon. It was used to drive away the enemies. And so we're meant to see, wait a minute, he is the one who holds a rod for my good. He's the one who drives away the enemies. He's the one who drives away the wolves. He's able to drive them back, to beat them back. He is the one who beats everything that confronts me. He protects. David, he, he killed a bear. He killed a lion. Jesus has defeated our greatest enemy. Jesus has already defeated your greatest enemy. Why would we fear? He's already defeated the devil. He's already defeated sin. He's already defeated death. He's beaten the grave. He's beaten hell. And he holds a rod to drive away the evil one. But at the same time, a rod was also used for something else. A rod was also used to discipline the sheep, to say, hey, get back in line. You can't wander off. Hey, all right, come on, get back in line. You know, that's, that's the same idea when it says the Lord loves whom he reproves. He disciplines 
those who he loved, who are his children. And so we see this imagery of a rod and we say, wait a minute, I don't have to fear that ultimately I'm going to walk away from him because I can trust his good. David seeing this is good for him. That means you love me, you're my shepherd, you're going to keep me even from me messing me up. You don't have to fear you messing you up, okay? Sometimes that's my biggest fear is that I'm a screw up, right? And he says, no, your rod, it comforts me. It comforts me to know that you're going to correct me. When I'm stubborn, when I'm thick-headed, when I don't get it, you're going to correct me, your rod. It's a comfort. It drives away my enemies, but also comforts me. You know, we don't always figure it out. I don't, I don't really like that when people say, you know, one day you'll understand. I don't know that's true. I don't know that's true. I don't know the sheep really understand. I can't, will I really ever understand the infinite God? I'll never be infinite. You know, I'm eternal. My soul is eternal. I'll live with God forever. But, but we're talking about the infinite God. Will we revel, ever really truly fully understand? No, probably not. I think we'll understand more and we'll be like, oh God, I see, I trust more, I understand your goodness, I understand that you love me, even if you fully don't get it. You know, what, what happened to Job? Job lost everything, right? Job lost everything he had. You know the story of Job. He, he, he was doing wonderfully. He was trusting God. Everything seemed to be going great. And then what happens to God? To Job, he, God, God leads him through paths that were the valley of the shadow of death. He loses everything in the end he doesn't find out why. He doesn't understand why. But you know what he understands? Who? He understands who God is. In the end, he says, I, I don't get it. But I put, my, I, I put my hand over my mouth. I see that you are God and you are good. And I trust you. And I don't have to fear because of who you are. Romans, it, it tells us that he is conforming us. Romans 8, 28, 29, it says that he's conforming us. He's shaping us into the image of Jesus. We can take comfort knowing that his rod is shaping us into the image of Jesus. We say, I want to be like Jesus until it hurts. But thank you, Lord, that you're making me like your son. But not only that, it says he's our staff. And I love the image there. The staff had a, had a hook on it. The staff would be there to rescue, to pull back from the brink. To when the, when the sheep would fall, he would lift them out of the pit. He would rescue. God's your rescuer. He won't let you fall. He won't let you go astray. I love that Jesus said that about himself in Luke 14. He says, you know, which, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so. Just so. And he's, he's, he's speaking really of himself. Just so, I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 persons who need no repentance. And he is this shepherd. He's the shepherd who finds the lost sheep. It's a comfort. He won't let us go astray. When you wander, he goes after us. He finds us. John 10, 28, it tells us, he says, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yahweh, he, he's my shepherd. 
Can you say that? Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh provides for me. Yahweh protects me. And you know what else? Yahweh is present. He's not distant. That's that's all throughout this passage. It's my shepherd. He speaks personally. He makes me lie down. He's my shepherd, and he makes me lie down. Sometimes I don't want to lie down. He's like, come on, you lie down, man. He's he's my shepherd. He's actively making me lie down. He's actively leading me beside still waters. He is actively restoring my soul. He's actively leading me in paths. Even though I'm walking all those places, he's got a rod and staff. What is this saying? He's always present with me. And then then look at at verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me. He's, He's right here with you, preparing a table for you. Where? It's in presence of your enemies. That part we don't like. He's not denying. We've got enemies, but God is with us. He is present. Yahweh, my shepherd, he's present. I love that that image when all the the world is raging around. You see this image when even the presence of my enemies. You picture David, he's sitting down at this buffet and all of his enemies are all around him. And yet Yahweh, the great shepherd, he's laying out a table saying, no, go ahead and eat. You don't have to worry about that. Relax, enjoy. You don't have to worry about your enemies because I'm here and I'm laying at a table for you. I'm, I'm, allowing, I'm, I'm allowing you to eat. I'm preparing a place for you to eat and you can sit down. You know, if, if you're surrounded by enemies, um, typically what are you gonna do? You're gonna fight? You're gonna take, up, you're gonna take watch? You're gonna say, I gotta stand up. I gotta do something. I have to take action. He says, no, I'm, I'm preparing a table. You sit down, sit, I'm here. I'm preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. Not only that, you know, I'm gonna pour blessings on you. He says, he says you anoint my head with oil. That was a sign of God's blessing, anointing with oil. My cup overflows. I have, I have what I need from you. You know, not only do we come to him like children, we come to him like sheep because we are sheep. You know, I've been told that sheep need just a few things. They need food. They need water. They need a place to lie down safely. But they always need a shepherd to lead them there. Sometimes we forget we need a shepherd. Sometimes we forget that he's present. He's not distant. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. If you really realize that Yahweh is always with you, always with you. You know, in Philippians, what it says, you know, don't be, do not be anxious for anything. I keep saying this every time I've quoted Philippians. like, no, don't start there. That's the worst place to start with that passage. That passage doesn't start with, don't be anxious for anything, because then it depends on me, right? It, it starts somewhere else. It starts right before that, and it starts saying, the Lord is at hand. Oh, the shepherd's present with me? Oh, then I don't need to be anxious. I don't get it. I'm, I have enemies. I'm in a valley. I, I don't see where I need to eat and drink. I don't see all those things. I don't understand but I have a shepherd and he provides. I have a shepherd he protects. I have Yahweh as my shepherd and he, oh, he's present. I love in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you know he, know, he, he knows you? That you're his own? He knows you? He knows it. What does that mean? He knows exactly what you need. He knows what's best for you. 
He is also Yahweh. He's the shepherd. He, he's able to do that. He's able to do what's best for you. And, but not only that, he, he cares about you. He, he, he wants what is best for you. He is good. If he wasn't good, it would be frightening that God is with us and he knows what we need, but he doesn't want it for us. That would be terrifying. Or he'd be feeble if he was with us and he knew what was best, but he wasn't able to do it if he wasn't Yahweh. That would be pointless. Be pointless if he was able to do what's best and he wanted what was best, but he didn't know the future, he didn't know what was best. Then we couldn't trust him. We would fear. And yet he says, against all those things, I am Yahweh, I'm your shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. I'm here to provide. I'm here to protect. I'm here to be present with you. No one else is meant to be our shepherd like Jesus, the great shepherd. In Scripture, it calls pastors shepherds, but that's an under-shepherd sense, and that's only if pastors are leading you to see Jesus. If, If any pastor, if Aaron or I or any other pastor were not leading you to follow Jesus, don't follow Ultimately, Jesus is the shepherd you look to. We point the way to him saying, look, there's the shepherd. Let's follow him. I love that word, my. You know, when, when I want people to know that I know somebody, I say, yeah, they're my friend. And I was telling somebody the other day about a book, and I was like, yeah, a friend of mine wrote it. And he's like, wow, you're friends with them? I'm like, yeah, they're my friend. You know, there's some special connection there, right? Probably also pride on my part, but I'm ignoring that for now. But we do that, don't we? We say, my. Yeah, they're my friend. Yeah, yeah, back in college. I knew them back when I was in college. They were my roommate, you know, or yeah, yeah, they're in my class. I know them really well. Or they're my teacher. They're, they're my care believer. They're my, you know, that's my wife. That's my friends. It impli- my implies a special close relationship, doesn't it? And Jesus says he is our shepherd. Jesus through David, we can claim, through Jesus, we can claim that Jesus is my shepherd. If everybody's placed their faith in him, we can say, Yahweh, you're my shepherd. My shepherd. That implies a special, close relationship. The question is, are you seeking him? I love it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now look at verse 6. It says, surely goodness and mercy. Does that mean that he only experienced what was good? Absolutely not. Look at David's life. Does that mean that he never sinned? Absolutely not. Look at David's life. Does that mean that that David only got good things? No, but he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Why? Because he knows that ultimately God is prepared and God is present. But you know that word says, follow me. It's not like, you know, goodness and mercy are following behind him, like sneaky follow behind. That's an active following. It's a pursuit Goodness and mercy will pursue me, like as to overtake me. You know, I think about the idea of, you know, imagine you leave here today and you look in your rearview mirror and you find um, some black SUV and it's following you. And you're like, what in the world? And you think, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm just imagining things. And so you make one turn and it makes that turn. And then you make another turn and it, and it, it makes that turn too. And then you think, you know, I'll go through a parking lot. And so it goes in the parking lot too, comes out the other side, right with you. And you start panicking a little bit, right? You ever had these moments? Maybe, maybe you're paranoid sometimes, but I, I've had moments where, I'm, oh, oh gosh, I cut somebody off and somebody followed me for a while. So I eventually go to like the police station. So you're, 
you're, you're, you're parent, you're like, oh no, what's, what's happening? This, this, this black SUV is following me. And so everywhere you go and you're not, I'm not going to go home. I don't want them to know where I live. And so you're, you're freaked out. This, this black SUV is following you. It's following you everywhere you're going. What in the world? And the window's a little tinted. You can't quite see. There's a glare on the front windshield. You don't know who's driving that thing. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And so you pull into the police station. And then you find out, oh, oh, you know, we've got an old black SUV, by the way. It was your pastor. Um, you left something at church, and we were just trying to return it. And we're following you. We're pursuing you because we want to give you something good. We're not wanting something bad for you. That's the imagery here. God says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God will not let you go away from his goodness and his mercy. His goodness and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. You don't need to fear it. You don't need to fear. You have enemies, but he'll never leave you, forsake you. He prepares a table before you. He's with you to anoint your head with oil. He blesses you. He commissions you. He sanctifies you. Don't look to any other shepherd. Don't look to things, a job, a spouse, teachers, politicians. But your shepherd, Yahweh. Because he laid down his life for the sheep. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. In Romans it says, if God did not spare his only son, but gave him up to death for us, how will he not also with him give us every good thing, every good thing that we need. He laid down his life for the sheep. Don't doubt the shepherd's love for you. Don't don't fear. He's here to provide, to protect. And he is present with you. He says, lastly, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does that say to us? Nothing, nothing can change our future. It is guaranteed. No matter what happens in this life, we have a destination that is secure. He gives us goodness and mercy, provides and protects for us here. But ultimately, the final destination is sure. No matter what happens, whether we ever figure that or not, I will will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever, who is my shepherd. He's not just leading me generically. He's going to lead me to his house. And he's going to lead us there forever. We don't need to fear We can have faith. Since Yahweh, my shepherd, is with me, I will not fear. Can you say that? Since Yahweh is my shepherd, I will not fear. Let's pray. And as the band, have the band go ahead and come up and we'll sing.